You're listening to Law and Gospel on this August the 5th, I'm sorry, September the 5th, in the year of our Lord, 2023, and we're going to start with the hymn, My Soul Now Praise Your Maker. first two verses of My Soul Now Praise Your Maker. The author is Johann Grauman. He died in 1541, very close to the death of Martin Luther. And this hymn has been called the oldest Lutheran hymn of praise. It talks a lot about, for Luther, the theology of the cross as the Reformer had presented it in his Heidelberg Theses of 1518, defining God's righteousness as the mercy and grace revealed in Christ's cross. As a student and then as rector of the School of St. Thomas Parish in Leipzig, Leipzig, Grauman had learned to live in the rhythm of regular reading and singing of the Psalms. He was the Grand Master of the Teutonic Knights, and he sought ways to cultivate the new piety of the Wittenberg way of thinking. The translator is Catherine Winkworth, granddaughter of an evangelical Anglican clergyman who translated several hundred German hymns into English 
and publish them in a series of volumes. The composer is Johann Gugelmann. And so that is what my soul, now praise your maker, is all about. What do you think of that hymn? I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and I'm talking to Pastor Mark Smith. It's the oldest uh, Lutheran hymn of praise. Is that right? Is that what you said? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, remember, it's a good hymn. He died just about the time of Luther. Right. So... Luther died, let's see, in 46, 1546, yes. right? Right, and he wrote this uh, 15 just after that. Uh-huh. So, and, of course, Catherine Winkworth, our, our old standby translator, boy, she was sure, she sure translated the hymns. Boy, she sure did. <laughs> was a very good and and that's translating from the german into english right so it's a lengthy hymn even though it's four stanzas long it takes two pages in our hymnal and so if you would want to start with the first stanza i'll be happy to my soul now praise your maker let all within me bless his name who makes you full partaker of mercies more than you dare claim. Forget him not whose meekness still bears with all your sin, who heals your every weakness, renews your life within, whose grace and care are endless and saved you through the past, who leaves no sufferer friendless, but rights the wronged at last. Well, as soon as you read that, two things hit me. The one statement of mercies more than you dare claim, and the other one, whose grace and care are endless. Do you want to tell us again the difference between mercy and grace? Yes, I'd be happy to. I've got it. I've got it written right here. Excellent. Mercy, mercy is not getting what you deserve, and grace is getting what you don't deserve. Exactly. So, how is God merciful toward us? He doesn't give us what we deserve, which is judgment, of course. I mean, we. Uh, we're spiritually blind, dead, and enemies of God before he brings us to faith. And uh, and yet he doesn't give us what we deserve, uh, namely judgment. And then grace, getting what we don't deserve. We, we don't deserve his mercy and grace and forgiveness, but he abundantly gives it to us. It's overflowing. It says it's endless. Endless, right. What does that refer to? That's talking about grace. Right. And what does endless mean? It means that where, where sin did abound, God's grace did much more abound. 
no matter, I, as I was telling my Sunday school kids the other day, no matter what sin you're guilty of, you know, you as you grow up, you make a lot of mistakes in life, and uh, some of them are even more regrettable than others. But be assured that no matter how dark and scarlet your sins may be, they've all already been washed away in your baptism. Yes, I was thinking of the word endless in a chronological sense. Okay. Which means what? I don't know. You go ahead and explain. Heaven. Okay. Oh, sure. Of course. Uh, the 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 joys of heaven at at thy let's see how does it go at thy right hand are joys forevermore. Exactly. At thy right at thy right hand is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Right. Now it says, and saved you through the past. Who leaves no sufferer friendless, but rights are wronged at last. Yes. Can think of an example of that? I don't know, but you know, that's something that a lot of people, I think that would bring comfort to a lot of people to, to let us know that, that the, the wrongs will be righted in the end. I'm well trying said. to think of, uh, can you think well, of I'm any uh, examples from history of... Uh, uh, you, you think of the, the, the great injustices um, that have been com committed throughout history. All those will be righted in the end. I'm thinking also, who leaves no sufferer friendless, but rights the wrongs at last, would refer to our sins. Yes. Okay. Those rights, those sins are finally wronged at last and yes. wronged means that they're paid for yes they're paid for and also all things work together for good to them that love god to them that are called according to his purpose everything that we have suffered injustices wrongs all those things will we have god's sure promise that all of those things will ultimately work together for our good and on what basis? On the basis of his promise. Romans eight twenty eight. Yes, and on the basis of we gotta talk about the cross. Oh, you're right, of course. Yeah, the the cross is everything. Yes. And and his resurrection. Yes. His his resurrection uh his resurrection shows that God accepted his sacrifice. Uh, on the on the uh, that his son performed on the cross, and uh, all of our sins are are paid for. Uh, they're all atoned, and uh, not only that, but w we too will be raised on the last day. Yes, and we would also want to bring in the ascension. Of course, right. The ascension. All right, I'll read stanza two. He offers all his treasure of justice, truth, and righteousness. His love beyond all measure, he yearning pity or distress, nor treats us as we merit, but sets his anger by. The poor and contrite spirit finds his compassion nigh. And high as heaven above us, 
as dawned from close of day, so far since he has loved us, he puts our sins away. So there's a number of phrases in this one. Right. I like, he sets his anger by. Okay. What was that be referring to? He sets his anger by. I'm trying to think of a specific example. Well, what anger does he have toward us? That we are sinful. Sinful, yeah, right, right. And he sets that anger by. Yeah, and, and especially, and Tom, especially he says, where he says, and high as heaven above us, and as dawn from close of day. That's how extreme, that, that's how far he has set his anger by. As high as heaven above us, well, you know how, that, that's unimaginable how high that is. And as, as far as dawn is from the close of day. Those are two extremes. That's how far his anger is set by from us. Hymns can be understood the same way we understand the Bible. Scripture interprets Scripture. When we're asking the question, how does he set his anger by, what is the last phrase in that verse? He puts our sins away. That's puts how he sets his anger by. Yeah. Puts our sins away. Washes them away. As I said earlier, he washes them all away in holy baptism. Isn't that a promise that John the Baptist gave concerning Jesus? Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, he says, he has uh, come to take away the sins of the, the sins world. of the world. The, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. You're right. Mm, good. Okay. If you would read stanza three. For as a tender father has pity on his children here, God in his arms will gather all who are his, his all who are his in childlike fear. He knows how frail our powers, who but from dust are made. We flourish like the flowers, and even so we fade. The wind but through them passes and all their bloom is o'er. We wither like the grasses. Our place knows us no more. Now, isn't that interesting that the verse talks about that God has pity on us? Why does he have pity on us? Because he knows we're but dust. <laughs> you know, uh, you know man, Adam originally was made from dust. And and uh, to dust we shall return. Of course, he knows he knows our weakness. Yes, in fact, the verse actually says, "He knows how frail our powers, who but from dust are made." Now we flourish like flowers. What does that mean? Well, that's of course based on. Uh, let's see. I think it's is it Isaiah. Yeah, the grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, 
but the word of our God will stand forever. Exactly. And even when all our bloom is over, we wither like the grasses, our place knows us no more. What place knows us no more? Yeah, that's kind of a, I don't know, that's kind of a, maybe a little bit of a sad note there. Uh, maybe it needs more explaining on your part, but our place knows us no more. In other words, um, oh, I'm trying to think. Um, well, take a look at the verse itself. It says, we flourish like the flowers, and even so we fade. Right. That's yes. what it means that our place knows us no more. Yeah. Here on earth, we may be a beautiful flower. Right. As you quoted so well, like the grass and flowers of the earth, we can fade. And when we fade, we're buried into the ground and dust returns to dust. Yes. We fade, but we're not forgotten because we will live again. We'll be raised, glorified, and we'll see our Lord Jesus uh, in the flesh, in the glorified uh, the flesh. And our eyes will behold him, as, as Job says. So yes. even, even though our place on this earth is, is, uh, it fades away and, and maybe forgotten by other people, we're not forgotten by, by God, by our Lord. Yeah, that's really important. Do you ever bring that kind of thinking into a sermon at a funeral? Oh, I'm sure I have. I can't remember specifically. Um, I always stress the resurrection. Yes. And that we will, we will see our loved ones again. Our loved ones who died in the faith, we will see them again in glorified bodies. I really stress that. I think that's important to people, and and it's the truth. It's the promise that we have. Yeah. In fact, the gospel from Matthew 18 for this Sunday, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Yes. In fact, a, a, congreg a congregation doesn't have to be very large for him to be there. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Yes. Exactly. That's his sure promise. I, I enjoyed doing last week's sermon where Jesus says so clearly that some of you who are standing before me will not see death before I return. Yes, he's talking there, of course, about his uh, transfiguration, which, which uh, takes place shortly thereafter. Yeah, I think also his resurrection, because it's not until he's resurrected that his human body is restored to the divine qualities. Yeah. But uh, in his transfiguration, he raises the veil of his glory just a little bit so that the, the disciples can, uh, you know, they're just overawed by it. Yes. So I've, I've always taken that, uh, when Jesus gives them that, that uh, there are some here, he, he talks about some, 
and we not not all the disciples witnessed his transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, and they uh, they did get a glimpse of his glory on that Mount of Transfiguration. I I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but I think that's what he's referring to there. But uh, p- perhaps too in the resurrection as well. Well, he is addressing the disciples, not the apostles. And remember, after Judas committed suicide, there were, what, 500 people who saw him after the resurrection, and these were the disciples. And right. And they, they chose Matthias to replace Judas. Right. And, and so um, there, again, his promises come true, for sure. Absolutely. So... If you would read stanza four. Stanza four. His grace remains forever, and children's children yet shall prove that God forsakes them never, who in true fear shall seek his love. In heaven is fixed his dwelling, his rule is over all. O hosts, with might excelling, with praise before him fall. Praise him forever reigning, all you who hear his word, our life and all sustaining, my soul, oh, praise the Lord. Now, what he does in this verse, he definitely demarks those who are truly going to heaven, who in true fear shall seek his love. In heaven is fixed his dwelling. And so not everyone on earth whose sins have been forgiven will be going to heaven because they reject that message. That's right. Yeah. All have been atoned. All all sins have been atoned for and all have been forgiven. The, the, the offer of full and free forgiveness is offered to all. But you're right. Only those who who believe in him will 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 see him again will will uh, will be raised for for life eternal and the old testament reading this sunday from ezekiel 33 it, it really says something if i say to the wicked o wicked one you shall surely die and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Wow. What's yeah, that referring that's, to? That's a sobering warning that uh, I, I think, especially for us preachers, uh, that we are to, we are to warn uh, God's people. We're to warn people and uh, uh, let them know that, you know, God doesn't mess around. He, uh, he wants us to repent, turn to him while there's while there's still time. When do Christians warn people about turning from sin? You talk about all Christians? Right. Well, that's part of that's the, that's the law and then uh and then when uh, when the our the listeners repent 
and uh, seek forgiveness, that's, you, you give them the gospel and all of its truth and purity. Yeah, I would say it's during the time of worship. Okay, all right. Because Absolution. That, we confess our sins right, right at the outset of the service. We confess our sins. All of us confess our sins. And then uh, the pastor... Uh, in the stead and by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, he gives us the absolution, uh, the word that all of our sins are forgiven. Reminds us of our baptism, that is. And begins with, upon this, your confession. Right. So what does that mean? Well, we've just confessed our sins t together as a congregation. And on the basis of that, you uh the pastor takes us at, at our word. Uh, right. We confess well from the heart, and, uh, and he graciously bestows Christ's word of forgiveness upon us. So only the individual who confesses the sins knows whether he is serious about it or not. That's right. He could just be in church just to please his wife or his parents, and he's saying these things, but he doesn't really believe them. But when the congregation speaks the liturgy throughout that, they are warning the wicked one about eternal death if they do not remove themselves from their iniquities. And Tom, that's a, that's a good argument for keeping the liturgy intact and for not just dropping uh, the confession and absolution and saying, well, you know, we do that. Uh, we do, you know, of course we know all this and we'll just move on to the, uh, the intro and the rest of the service. There, there's reason to keep that confession of sins and absolution as part of the service. Very important. Exactly. Because as Jesus said at the beginning of Mark, the message of Christianity is repentance and the gospel. And that needs to be in every sermon. In other words, law and gospel. Right. Law to accuse us of our sin, gospel to forgive that sin on the basis of our confession. Well, thanks very much for helping me with that hymn, My Soul, Now Praise Your Maker. Looking forward to using it on Sunday, and we'll be back next Tuesday with the hymn for the following Sunday, and tomorrow we'll be again studying the book of Proverbs. I'm Tom Baker. You heard from Mark Smith. God Thank you. bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.
If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.